0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest. We have hit songwriter, LeVon Gray. Now, LeVon has a super cool story on how he got signed as a songwriter. It was actually through tagging Kane Brown on an Instagram post. Kane invited him down to Nashville, and the first writing session they had together, they wrote Kane's smash number one hit, One Mississippi. And ever since, LeVon's been killing it. I had an awesome time talking to him. I hope you guys learn a lot, and we'll see you at the end. How you doing today, Lavon? I'm
1: doing great. How you doing?
0: Great. So, uh, getting right into your story, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like?
1: I'm from Mobile, Alabama, on the Gulf Coast. Um, I was born in 91, so um, so the I was able to see life before and after social media. And um so I'm young enough to understand what's going on what's going on, old enough to have a hard time with TikTok. (laughs) Um, No, man, growing up in Mobile was interesting. You know, I'm biracial, and being from the South at that time, um, it was interesting in regards to comments I would get from other children. Um, I mean, I I would say I was teased, but I wouldn't say I was bullied. It was just kind of where i grew up you got teased even by people that loved you you know it was you know yeah it was culture and um but it was that di- very diverse my neighborhood was when i was small it was mostly vietnamese and then um there was some african-americans and, and white people and then over time um my neighborhood um more of the vietnamese people left and there were mostly black people, then some Hispanic people moved there. And there were some Jamaicans down the street. Um, Some Cubans became my Um, in-laws. It was very culturally diverse. Way more than one would think if they weren't from there. Yeah. So, it was a different type of experience just being around, like, imagine like a tiny New, New Orleans. Yeah. I wouldn't say tiny, tiny, but Definitely tinier than New Orleans, but um no, music was everywhere from you know we had where the we were the original home of Monte Gras, so that you know music and it wasn't just like the jazz but that was part of it, but there we would have all kinds of music playing during those type of events, like there'd be funk, there'd be blues, gospel um, country southern rock a lot of southern rock yeah um, so my background is so diverse there's so much i can tell that's why it's so hard to do stuff like this for me so okay. if i if i feel like if it seems like i'm talking all over the place forgive me um but i i started musically technically in church um my my mother and father's families had musical backgrounds so it was it's something to kind of all of us do in some form or another, but I'm the, my brother and I are the only ones that like pursued it professionally.
0: Gotcha. So growing up, who were some of the first artists that you listened to that you like really resonated with their records?
1: Um, the first music I ever really heard was Bob Marley. Okay. Uh, my father would play me Bob Marley and like James Brown, old Motown. And he was very eclectic too. He, he would play stuff like Phil Collins. Oh, cool. Like my, my father was African, is African American and my, my mother was Caucasian. And she was from a little small town, a little small country town. He was from Project, So I grew up in a very, you know, um, we used to say, now we say biracial or multiracial. When I was growing up, we said mixed. Yeah. You know? it It, it kind of sounds degrading now, but it was a it was a mixture of a lot of vibes and influences um my earliest country music influences were like Patsy Klein because my mother used to like sing me to sleep with old patsy Klein songs and oh wow I, I fell in love with Elvis at a young age after I saw like that that mini this mini series um same thing Michael jackson um There's so many influences, but like to get a good grasp on what that really looked like for me was my wall, my bedroom wall during my teenage years. On one wall was Bob Marley. On one wall was Michael Jackson. One wall was Elvis. And on the door was Faith Hill and (laughs) Tim McGraw.
0: Wow, such a mix. Yeah so in high school were you just doing choir at the time or did you start kind of gigging out in your area
1: i started in a marching band in high school
0: what instrument did you play
1: the sousaphone
0: oh wow what was that experience like
1: um it was hot it was really hot like band camp like it was terrible I hated it so much. I did it because I thought that um, it would be an opportunity to get a scholarship, you know, because it's rare that people are going to play the tuba, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, and my mama really wanted me to go to college. I didn't really want to, but I'm like, you know, being a kid in the nineties, we were told that you have to go to college, make something of yourself. If not, you're going to be broke, you know? So I'm like, but this is a plan, a solid plan, and I just didn't really like it. Um, I, I was actually in a Christian rock band in high school, and I spent more time doing that. And um, at that time, I I was into R and B more vocally, um, but I um, I played Christian rock in regards to traveling and. Things like that. Now, I wasn't getting paid a lot of money, but it was still pretty cool. So totally. For me I mean, I felt like a rock star, even though I'm at like church camps and stuff like that. It was cool to me.
0: Were you writing the original material for that band or were you guys doing covers?
1: Um, well I was at well, there was two bands. One band it was it was just straight covers. Um in the other band it was originals. It was kind of Half and half between me and another guy, and gotcha. so I, it was, it. Looking back, it's really cringy to think that we took those songs in front of people, but um, it it was cool to say that hey, you know, we actually did it and kind of made it work for a while, and people came to see us, and it was interesting.
0: <laughs> now you kind of kept going with you were doing the, the Christian rock, and then was it after high school is when you started kind of doing music ministry too.
1: I'd been doing music ministry the whole time basically um I had been kind of like interning at the church from the time I was a little like maybe like eleven and um i volunteer just yeah I volunteered interned um I did that through i mean all throughout um high school I didn't um have any plans to really do anything else except for music and ministry either together or separate and um I I did it for 7 years professionally after I graduated um high school Oh wow. And So I um that was a a, a huge part of my life but like, uh, it just was to the point where I, I didn't um I'm not going to say I wasn't fulfilled in a way that is disrespectful to anybody that poured into me and and helped me along the way. That's not what I mean at all. I just wasn't able to, I didn't feel like I could freely express myself without being judged and uh, regardless of what I believed or not. So um, I just decided that I would, see what it was like out there in the world and i wanted to and honestly i just wanted to make music that i liked totally. <laughs> that was it and so,
0: so i did you make the decision to kind of transition out of that and trying to pursue songwriting full-time
1: um I, see i didn't actually um that wasn't the i never wanted to do songwriting full-time or i, I never even really thought about doing it as a career. Um at all, except for like every now and then I I was an independent artist in mobile. I had a video at the time, like almost 40,000 views or something on YouTube. I had a, it was the song was spinning on the local station a lot. Um, That's dope. It was, it was, a, it was a cool moment, but it just didn't really, it, you know, it, I didn't really capitalize on what was going on. I didn't understand the hustle of posting and learning hashtags, putting some money behind promotion, talking, you know, collaborating. I just didn't really understand the social media stuff. And I didn't really, really, um, I didn't really start pursuing like music full time. Like I'm not technically always did music full time, but outside of the church, like all on my own, I was about, i'm 30 now um i was about 26 and um so like 2018 Uh, and um i was doing just my my own music and i just kind of had this idea that one day i would write for somebody write a song for somebody that would kind of be my entrance into the music industry some type of way and I never thought that it would be an option that I could sign a publishing deal. I didn't really know about publishing deals. All I ever, because being in that R&B hip hop world I was in for, um, for the first couple of years um, after I left um, doing music ministry, there was no real talk about publishing. Usually, so. People um, get kind of tricked out of their publishing and stuff like that. So talking about what a publishing deal is and stuff, which is one of the things I respect about Nashville. Like they, um, this is a, a really cool place in regards to just ethics, way better than what I've dealt with in the past. I, I actually had um, a gold, a certified gold, um, with participation in a certified gold project a couple of years ago but I was uncredited for it, and um, kind of had to start all over again. And yeah. navigating my way through, trying, you know, failing as an independent artist, not knowing what to do, I decided to change directions when my mother um, passed away from COVID. Oh, wow. And I I had already kind of started changing directions into a more bluesy, rootsy, rootsier vibe um, almost kind of folk rockish. I don't know what I was doing. I just knew I didn't want to do what I was doing before. And I just up and decided, kind of had this feeling in my gut, it's time to, to write country music like you did in high school. Which is, totally. I wrote R&B flavored country music in high school. People didn't quite understand it. But um, now it's, you know, 15 years later and that sound is a very important part of popular music. So I tagged Kane Brown in the first country song I had written in 10 years. And he just so happened to look at it and hit me back in 20 minutes. And that's how I became a professional
0: songwriter. Actually, before you even got into songwriting, you actually played guitar on Little Baby's Street Gossip album. How did you uh, get in contact with Little Baby?
1: Well, I mean, that's the project I didn't get credited
0: for. So, so are we not going to talk about that one? <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: I'm just not, not going to include any names out of respect um, because I don't have any beef with the guy anymore. Um, I, I, do I feel some type of way about what went down? Of course I do. I'm like, But I think that I'm so into creating music now, I really don't care. I feel like both of us are so much better than we were Five years ago when we met, me and this certain producer, um, I'd love to see what kind of music we could make now, honestly. Totally. But no, I um I never met Lil Baby. Um, I was... Um, I had been working at the time with the producer that produced that track. And um, we've been... As far as I know, I was the first person who brought a guitar into the studio. And besides the guitar he had in the studio that nobody played, <laughs> and um, we did some of the first trap um guitar trap songs, like at that time, it was like a wave, you know, yeah, and that w- was really one of the first of its kind, and although uncredited, I was a part of it. I composed it, but I just it was treated I was treated as if I was a session musician rather than a person who composed and played something yeah. that added to and made into something. So it was, you know, people trying to look after themselves. And I understand business is business. You gotta cover your own. I'm trying to watch from that. You gotta cover yourself. <laughs> and um, you know, I talked it up to learning Learning just to keep my eyes open, and you know i'm I'm blessed to be where i am now i I don't have a a vengeful spirit anymore <laughs> <laughs> I, but i it I'm just grateful to be here it's It's crazy that you know and I'm still proud of that, even though my name isn't on it i mean i it was encouraging to know that I had made music that had made it around the world and i mean it had charted on charts in the top 10 around the world on that album. And I didn't even know about it. I didn't even know about the song. <laughs> I was watching dishes at a Mexican restaurant at that time.
0: Dang. So <laughs> you talked about posting the video and uh, tagging Kane in it. What gave you the idea to tag Kane? and how surprised were you when you saw that notification pop up that he DM'd you?
1: Um, I, he was the first person I thought of because honestly he's the most successful um, country singer of color, you know, and yeah. it was, and I just thought he, as far as pop culture is concerned right now, he's a very important voice and face, and I thought, hey, it's a shot in the dark. Why not go for broke? I tagged him and a couple of other people. Yeah. Not thinking that the biggest, and I'm, and and that's not putting anybody else down, but he's one of the biggest stars in the world today. For and sure. And, across genre and I didn't think that he would be the one to respond but he did and you know thank God he did.
0: Now did he just say uh, I want to bring you to town and kind of just write with you or what was that message like after he kind of messaged you?
1: It was crazy. My mother had passed 12 days before and so it was really first I was literally bawling in my wife's lap about my mama. Yeah had forgotten about the, the post. And um, it was about 20, 20, 30 minutes later. And um I'm just bawling. And my wife is like, dude, if you know your mama, she's bugging somebody on your behalf right now.
0: Wow, that <laughs> is really cool.
1: A few seconds after she said that and my phone ding and it's Kane Brown saying, hey, where are you from? and I'm just like I can't even talk because I'm not crying and you know, and I show my wife the phone I'm like look, <laughs> it's like answer him. I was like, I don't think it's him. It's fake, and so that I, that was my first reaction that it was fake. Um, but I, I saw that it was his actual verified account, and I, I just, I I felt like I've been in a dream ever since.
0: Totally. Now, was the first song you guys wrote together "One Mississippi"? Yeah. So, what was it like coming to town and being thrown in a room of all-star writers like Kane and Ernest and a bunch of other all-stars?
1: Well, he he invited me after um, I sent him a few more songs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, um, he kept asking me, "Who did you write these with?" I'm like I wrote them by myself. Oh, <laughs> and like, well, what about this one I'm Like, just me. <laughs> It was like, okay, what are you doing, March such-such? I'm like, uh, nothing. (laughs) And um, he just started saying like, oh yeah, okay, well, I'm gonna set this up. And by the way, these are the guys that are gonna be in the room. And um, he didn't name their names, he just named things that they did.
0: Yeah. So
1: I I was expecting Hardy in the room, (laughs) which ended up being Ernest. Yeah. (laughs) I like said it was like this guy like wrote half of Morgan Wallen's album, and I, you know, I'm like, well, the only guy I read about that did that was Hardy, and no idea. I was walking into a session with a machine like Ernest, and um, it was there were people I never heard of. I knew about Kane, you know, um, I knew about a few different artists. I just had no idea about these these writers and producers. I, I. I, I'm I'm one to Google a lot, but yeah. there's so many names to keep up with these days. You know what I mean? I just, they didn't ring a bell, but I was like, you know what, let me Google. Then and, and I'm literally, so I, I realized who Jesse Frazier was. Of course I know who Kane is. And I'm thinking I'm working with Hardy, but I see this guy with his mullet, this Kenny Rogers looking beard and um, sunglasses, just cool as a fan. He's like, what's up, man, I'm Iron. I'm like, hey, I'm LeVon. And um, we get in that room, and he just gets to going, freestyling. And we're freestyling back and forth, just having fun. But I noticed that he's really, really good. And I Googled him literally while I'm sitting next (laughs) to him. I'm like, oh, this is, I didn't even realize he was like on the session, like on the right. I just thought he was kind of hanging out like another writer there that day like you know what I mean? i'm like this is oh man this dude's a big deal <laughs>
0: <laughs> now are, are you earned buds now i mean i feel like you guys both give me the same vibe especially him coming from a, a rap background as well
1: oh definitely we're i say we're cool if we see each other it's love and every now and then you know if i message him or something he will reply you know it's not nothing like we talk to each other every day, but I know that we both dig each other's vibe and we can relate about a lot of things. And um, he's done nothing but encourage me. And um, it, even if, you know, like it, Ernest, Kane, Jesse, those guys never have to collaborate with me again. And, you know, I got their back. For sure.
0: So- What else do you remember about uh, the day you wrote One Mississippi? Did you guys come out of that day knowing that this was going to be a smash?
1: Everybody had that feeling, but, you know, we get that feeling so much, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, even before my pub did those songs, every every song I wrote back home in Mobile, I'm like, oh, this is going to be the one, (laughs) you know, one, you know? But Kane liked it, and that's why everybody got excited, because, you know, Kane's picky, and, and... I understand why, you know he has he has a lot to um, he has a lot to uphold right now and a lot to to live up to, and he can easily do it because he's living up to the hype created around him just being such a good guy. So, sure. I got, Kane's just amazing. I feel like he really took a chance on me when he didn't have to. Nobody knew who I was. The little baby thing went uncredited, you know, I had value in the music industry, but he's the type of person that sees talent. And um, I'm just, I'm glad that I posted that day because I wasn't good at that, you know, and just a little bit of consistency and paying attention to that little voice inside that said, hey, do this now, you know, you might want to do this right now. (laughs) the one time I really pay attention to that, you know, everything changes for me. And, um, you know, I I feel like I'm in church giving my testimony all the time because it's it's it was an amazing, the 180 in my life is, you know, I went from wanting to die to wanting to live, you know, feeling like I had a few reasons to live, not just one, you know? Yeah. So. Thank God for Caine Brown and country music.
0: For sure. Now, in 2020, kind of stepping away from the country music, you put out a single called Sativa. What was the inspiration behind that? And uh, do you have any more plans for new music under your own name?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, Sativa, that was just kind of, that's, I I didn't usually do stuff like that. Um, I was more smoother on the R&B side of things. But I like, I just wanted to vibe that day. And my boy Trevor, I mean, Trevor's, in my opinion, the dopest producer in Alabama. And he's not signed. He he isn't anybody with like any wide, widely held acclaim, but talent-wise, and and, and people that are working in the industry in the South, in the in the hip hop scene, they know who he is now. Yeah. But boys like 22, 23 years old completely changed my sound. And um and and updated it. He put, he brought my sound into the twenty first century, and uh, he um he played me the beat for a few songs, and he played me Sativa. I was like, I want to kind of because one thing me and Ernest talked about was I I I was a rapper. I wasn't a rapper. I rapped before I sang. Yeah, and just like Ernest. And so this was an opportunity to show that side of things. And um, and I've always just been a versatile type of artist. That I, m- I might not ever put out anything that sounds anything like Sativa ever again, but I still think it's a vibe.
0: No, it is for sure. Now, to close out the interview, I always like to ask my guests one piece of advice you'd like to give to uh, any other musician out there that's trying to pursue a career in music. You just
1: do it and don't stop. Like the only way you lose is if you quit and I'm living proof of that. Um, that's really it. You you either do it or you don't. There's no, I feel like it or, I, you know, I, it's hard today. Just rem- wake up, remember who you are and what your purpose is. And if this is your purpose, then what a beautiful purpose. It's really worth pursuing.
0: Well, guys, there you have it, my conversation with LeVon Gray. LeVon, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking with you, man. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at IamLeVonGray. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Blake Pendergrass. You've heard his song, 865, on the last Morgan Wallen album. I want to give a big thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from my interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.